Hello. Uh, hi there. <laughs> Happy uh, post full moon, still kind of full moon. <laughs> and eclipse. Uh, and eclipse. <laughs> and blood <Yes>. moon. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes. Thank you. And same to you. <laughs> Thank you. It's, Wait, um... oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's always intense, <laughs> isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Well, and I, so, um, a woman that I follow on social media made this comment about how where she lives up in Canada, it's always super windy right around an eclipse. And I've never noticed that. But today it is super windy and it was definitely super windy and rainy yesterday. And like today is one of those days here in the Northwest where like it's sunny and gorgeous, but windy. And then all of a sudden there's like a very dark cloud and it's pouring for like 10 minutes and then it's sunny again. So <laughs> I'm going to have to pay attention now when we have our next eclipse, um, which I think is next month and see Ooh. if that's like, if that's a normal thing. Oh, I love that. An experiment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the winds well, <will> change. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, I, um, since I am now living out here in the middle of the Pacific ocean, uh, instead of more on the- up there in Alaska, um, I, it's been a really different experience of uh, like lunar event because there's just more clear skies. And yeah. for those past three years that I was living up there in Sitka, and I mean, even often when I was living out in Northern California, there's a lot of fog and mm-hmm. It's just always questionable as to whether or not you were actually going to be able to see anything. Right. And um, for the past couple full moons, I've just been so blessed to be able to be out on the beach where there's not a lot of light pollution and just take it in. And it's been amazing and really different. And so, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's kind of one of the about, you know, that I was excited for us to um, talk about for this conversation when we were sort of pre-gaming the other day. <laughs> Shannon and I <laughs> like to pre-game sometimes a little bit and ch- talk about what we're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked how you were talking about, you know, moving my big move out here as being like a big experiment in terms of um, just being an earth empath and what it would feel like to you know, experience life, but also these big cosmic events, these big, um, you know, Mm -hmm. how that would be in a different location as an earth empath. So yeah, yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing, but yeah, I'm super excited for you to elaborate more on because you would use the word portal, if I remember correctly. And um, that just, that really was, that was sort of, um, just without really understanding the cosmic events as well as I believe you do, um, the word itself just was almost like a call to action. Mm-hmm. It was a priority that I needed to be really focused with my energy and take time out to be intentional about, you know, I don't know, going through the portal is <laughs> sort of like <laughs> the, um, that image from the never ending story when Atreyu is trying to run through the sphinxes is like this, yeah. this drum roll yeah. moment go through like what's going to happen. So, um, right. yeah, right. but, but so please, yeah, if, if it's okay, do you mind elaborating on that part? Yeah. And honestly, I've, um, I wish that the, 
I wish that the information that I'm about to share was more exciting than it is because, <laughs> because of that lead up. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I did not come up with that term to use like the eclipse portal is that phrase. Like I just, you hear it a lot, you know, like astrologers are going to be talk, talk about it. And it's basically like the energy of it's kind easiest way to explain it is similar to a full moon the energy starts before the moon is actually full, right? And so with ah. an eclipse, the energy starts coming through and imagine it more as like energy is coming through. I imagine it more energy is coming through this portal to us, right? Yep, through yeah. Through the eclipse portal. Um, and it's just that like the energy starts before the actual eclipse has happened. Um, yep. But I do, I do think too that like, a lot of the talk about eclipses, what's so sort of fascinating is, especially when it's a lunar eclipse, is that it's showing more of the unseen. And I think it really, eclipses for me really evoke the card, the tarot card of the moon, you know, where it's like everything is bathed in this lunar light or darkness and it just looks different. It's unrecognizable, even if it seems like the most normal thing like your own mind you know your own life your own ego it should feel normal but eclipse energy i think makes it feel not so normal like it suddenly feels different and i think it's also a good time to be like wow i've been you know i imagine this like clothes like wow i've been wearing the same pair of socks thinking that these are my socks but now i realize that there's holes in the bottom and you know they're not actually my favorite color and I'm you know like I'm even starting to get a blister from the shoes and like it's maybe time to leave those behind and and maybe I don't know if that's the best analogy but I really feel like that's sort of where we're at with these two signs Gemini and Sagittarius where Mercury is where the full moon was where the you know when the eclipse happened it's very much about like story you know like the suit of swords like what stories are you telling to make your reality and are they really serving you? Um, and I, I kind of hesitate to, to dwell too much on that just because I honestly, like maybe I just follow too many other astrologers on social media, but I don't really want to be regurgitating what everybody else says about it. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how to put this. Um, and yeah, I really, it's, it's, for me, it's really about like the, the old pieces of your personality, of your life, of partnerships that it turns out in that odd, you know, lunar light, a lunar eclipse light, they don't actually look like what you thought they were, um, yeah. that there's going to be some, some, again, need for that, like work of Mercury retrograde to like re-examine and, and think and like start to potentially like let things go that just don't look right anymore. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, think you do such a beautiful job of explaining these um, layers. And I think, I mean, it's, I, I, I kind of really enjoy, um, you know, the uh, experiencing the event and then having these conversations afterwards. I mean, I also really enjoy, you know, when we're gearing up for, um, you know, this is some of the energy to expect, but right. um, a different perspective and just kind of comparing notes, um, you know, when yeah. you were talking based on the way that I experienced things. It's kind of funny because, um, again, I've gotten into a place where my life, I just was distracted by this and that and everything. And I, mm -hmm. I was sort of away from my moon calendar. And I'm finally just now settling into a place of my own where I can spread out. And I just put mm -hmm. my moon 
they're up on the wall and it's so it's it's I'm getting I'm starting to align myself I'm starting to myself get to a little bit more balance and um where I feel like I'm more closer to my path again mm-hmm. um so that's that's exciting but um I didn't I admit that was my disclaimer build up to the <laughs> fact that I didn't realize that there was an eclipse coming like I'm just hitting myself mm-hmm. but Aww. sometimes the value in that because I always take myself and I'm like why do I let these things get out of my sight when they're creeping up and I'm, I'm affected by them and then I'm like what's going on oh oh okay so I'm already feeling this energy without even realizing it was you know coming up and so then the value of that though is realizing how I'm experiencing the day-to-day energy without even recognizing necessarily what how much of that is cosmic pull and so I had already felt like I had unpacked everything that I needed to do this cleanse and I was ready and I had some time. And so I had already started to do this cleanse three days before the eclipse actually happened. And it was interesting because mm-hmm. then talking about what the port, um, even just the act of cleansing, you know, physically the body and letting go and thinking about, like, I, I like to add extra parts of like what, is being eliminated from my body and my person and all of that. And so working up in that sense, even just comparing just really literal actions that I was taking because there are parts of me that are sensing that this is coming up without mm. even knowing it. Well, yeah. Planning it by yeah. my. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And the other thing that just happened um, because, you know, I have to say that, um, again, COVID really threw me for a loop in a lot of ways. And I don't want to elaborate on that. Oh, just everyone's favorite subject right now. But <sighs> I've been really trying to scrape back together some sort of normalcy for myself, whatever mm-hmm. that's going to be, just some sort of day to day that makes sense, purpose, and that I understand what's expected of me. And that is, it's been a journey. <laughs> so <laughs> parts that just that went away that I never expected would go away was my creativity I mean I really felt like that defines me I felt like it was so much it was it was a part of me so Mm -hmm. much so it could never be lost and maybe I a little bit for granted I mean I'm I'm seeing that now on the other side of the portal because um it was almost so depressing that I, I didn't even really know how to put it into words that what if what if this part of me just admitting that the creative drive that I felt so long and so hard that I, I felt like it defined me what if it never comes back what what will I care about mm-hmm. <laughs> how, I care about the world? how can I move forward without this drive that I've you know that is that has motivated me for for so many years and um, <clears throat> without necessarily um, realizing that that was one of the things that my, my soul was really talking to the portal about, you know, um, mm-hmm. watching, I got to see the eclipse. So, you know, we're out on the beach and it's, we mostly have the beach to ourselves, you know, me and a friend and it's the the eclipse starts just like it says it's going to and we're watching it and we can see it and even though at that point we we think we know just you know what to expect you know you get on google mm-hmm. these you can google a picture sure. you know yeah. you're, you're gonna 
seeing, but it's still it the magic of actually seeing it take place and unfold. And it, it just like when it got dark and then it was red, it was that blood moon. It was absolutely yeah. I could see it with so much clarity. It mm-hmm. was so remarkable. And and almost just that, the visual just of of getting to witness that was maybe it was so much that I didn't think about what the port what being on the other side of the portal might actually mean for my life. But mm-hmm. the first time in a very long time, maybe even a year, I was inspired to pick up my paint and my brushes. And I mean, I've had canvases sitting here since <laughs> I moved to town. I was thinking mm-hmm. I was going to get and it just hadn't come together. And so the sudden act of being knowing what I wanted to paint and inspiration and that motivation all together at the same time. And now all of a sudden I'm back at this place where this painting is owning me again where <laughs> I can't, it's been so long since I think I forgot what that feeling was like. Whereas, yeah. you know, just being, I mean, I've, I've worked making jewelry for a lot of years and, you know, there's different types of inspiration that come out of different media and with a painting when it's really, you know, firing on all cylinders for me, it's just something that I look at and I have to live around until it's, complete. And so all of that experience, when you were talking, what came to mind was um, like being pregnant with idea and Mm -hmm. that begins and it grows. And then there is a moment of it, you know, you know, you're, you're laboring with this idea or this creation and Mm -hmm. um, bring fruition. And so for me, that, that was this image of, you know, with my, of course, my moon sign in cancer. So mm-hmm. this energy is always really powerful for me. But, you know, what, what you were describing about the energy that's, you know, a portal being that this energy is already gaining momentum before the actual event. <laughs> and that's when I had this, <laughs> I felt like I was, you were describing sort of like, again, that embryonic reference, but then that's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's- yeah. And then it lasts it takes a while too. You know what I mean? Like, um, and this is where I would need to, I honestly probably need to do a little bit more research, but my understanding is that kind of like eclipse season includes all of the eclipses happening in, uh, and I'm not, this is where I'm like, I'm not sure if it's a calendar year or if they're talking about like within an astrological year or, um, how, you know what I mean? Like how that works, but this one kicks off, the season and that much I know. So like this one is kicking off eclipse season. And I don't know, like last year when we, was it last, the last time we had eclipse season, I, again, with COVID and whatever, like my time, the last couple of years are a little fuzzy. Um, but the last time there was an eclipse season, there were three eclipses and each one seemed to be like, it's then for me, the portal, um, the portal analogy was almost more like seeing the door and getting closer and closer and then kind of being like put like pushed. Okay. The door's open. Like, are you going to sit here and stand at the open door? Are you actually going to like fall through it, you know, or walk through it or whatever. And, um, I sort of, I remember feeling kind of like, like pushed, like, Oh God, bye. You know, maybe I kind of like fell through. (laughs) And so this is like the, the, so I, again, like, I don't, I'm sorry, I should have looked this up. I'm not positive how many eclipses are happening in this season, but this is the, 
first, as I understand it. So it's kind of like the doors opening or open, but we've got, there's time. Like it's, it's not as if the changes that have already started happening are it like, this is just it. Boom. We're done. You know, like it's, um, it's going to definitely be a process and like an unfolding and like a releasing, I think of, you know, what, what no longer serves, which, you know, I mean, these events happen in the sky and they do affect all of us, but it does. I mean, we're all affected individually. So some people might feel it really, really strongly and some people might not, but like, as just as humans, we're always in a constant state of like refining and like growing and changing and then pruning and then growing and changing and pruning, you know? So I do, um, I do kind of want to bring that discussion out too, because there's, I've had some interesting talks with people recently, especially around astrology who are like, you know, they're intrigued, but they don't like to feel controlled by, you know, outside elements. And I understand that. And I don't want it to seem like, oh, it's inevitable that we're just, we're at the mercy of these cosmic bodies. It's not that. It's more like we're beings and we are sovereign beings. We have our own, you know, like innate power. But I do think it's worth learning about what's coming and figuring out how to make it work for you, you know, as right. opposed to sometimes it does work you. And I just, you know, I would, perf- I would rather know <laughs> that there's going to be, you know, an eclipse or ha- experience it like you did and then be like, oh, that's what the fuck that was, you know, then just, I don't, I guess, yeah, then just sort of float around and yeah, it's also not like a, a blaming mentality either of like, oh, yeah, I was a total I was a total bitch. But you know what? The moon was in Sagittarius. So not my fault. Like, I don't want right. <laughs> I also don't really want that to be <laughs> to be the narrative. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I can I can understand that. I've heard that argument a lot, too. And, you know, people are certainly entitled to, you know, forming their own opinions about that. Yeah. And Um, for me, I just, I think, you know, it's a useful tool, perhaps, um, you know, there are people that, um, I was thinking the other day with the full moon, you know, I was imagining um, the coral, oftentimes that's when they let out their little, you know, the little spores (laughs) is a lot of creatures and plants that that it's just it's sort of a um calendar for them the moon Mm -hmm. is their calendar, and Mm -hmm. if you want to use that tool it's guidance if it doesn't appeal to you it's not useful to you you know right it's to me as simple as (laughs) you can make reference to it or not i Mm -hmm. definitely enjoy having a language that i can communicate to people about you know how the stars affect me and life in general because mm-hmm. um, well and I mean I guess yeah to go back to leading into the discussion of being a highly sensitive person which um, you know something that we haven't talked much about on the podcast yeah. yet but is actually a big being at this part of uh, inspired by the wild and um, and and the goals that you know I have for the company so yeah I don't know. I guess it is. Is it a good time to go into that a little bit? I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's perfect timing, honestly, you know, because it is, um, it is very much about having all of the, we were having discussion about Pisces the other day 
and it feels my understanding of what it is to be a highly sensitive person to me it feels very piscean somehow like being in water but being completely exposed like a like an oyster without a shell and feeling all of the like different waves and and like ripples of everything um <laughs> it seems it seems like that that somehow that's how i visualize it which is related to pisces and that i think that they're just always getting more information than they let on <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes i think they that's why a lot of times the pisces can struggle with with boundaries because they're just taking in everything um feeling and seeing and sensing everything but you know what they actually communicate is quite a bit less <laughs> so anyway that's yeah that um that energy is definitely out there now the pisces energy with um jupiter in that sign and i think there's a heightened sensitivity that goes along with everything else happening in the in the cosmos for some folks so it seems like it would be perfect if you wanted to talk a little bit about the highly sensitive person experience because i i feel like that's going to resonate with a lot of people yeah yeah well okay yeah thank you and so the just to kind of start at the beginning and um and define the terms here so when we say highly sensitive it's, it's much more than just say someone who is, you know, cries during movies, feelings hurt. Um, there's, mm-hmm. this is a whole new sort of um, way of understanding. Uh, I, 20% of the population, um, they'd say one in five people are born, meaning um, their neural pathways are um, wired differently. It is, there's actual... Mm-hmm. Um, biology behind all of this, which we're getting more and more, um, you know, of an understanding about these days. Um, mm-hmm. But so probably coined the term that I would say is one of the most important people to, um, you know, to follow her work, if this is something that interests you, is uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron. She's the one that came up with the term highly sensitive person. And uh, so some of this that I'm going to talk about is, you know, referencing her work um, and some of it is actually coming out of uh, Psychology Today articles from online, because as I said, this is definitely gaining more and more attention. And um, I think it just, even if you don't identify as, you know, with uh, one in five people being sensitive in this way, it's likely that you know someone and this could really bring insight into your relationship with them. But mm-hmm. um as we were saying, so there's some different criteria, but I'm just going to kind of keep it general. So it's, you know, people who are highly sensitive are considered um, having a deeper central nervous system sensitivity to physical, emotional, and social stimuli. Um, and that also has implications with sensory processing sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So um, depth of sensory processing, meaning that, um, you know, we process all stimuli just very deeply and it affects us very deeply. Um, so there's a term that they use in that world, um, they call it arousal. So, um, you know, we have having that kind of a nervous system, there's um, a very high startle uh, mm-hmm. response. And then, um, you know, that has a high uh, release of adrenaline and um, cortisol in the highly sensitive person's brain. Right. It takes a long time for, um, you know, because it's such an exaggerated response, does take a long recovery. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of the examples. Um, and that is because uh, one of the implications about the nervous system as it's receiving stimulus from the em- environment, 
and then sending that information to the brain is an amplification effect so that um, it takes, how do I say this? It takes less highly sensitive brain to um, evoke the same amount of dopamine as it would for um, so we both go to sleep but um, you know the highly sensitive brain is releasing more dopamine releasing more cortisol and adrenaline during the scary parts and so the highly sensitive person is going to be that much more shaken by the entire experience. So hence the crying or the really visceral responses, even to just um, movies. That's another one of the criteria they talk about is um, more activity in the mirror neuron complex. So mirror neurons are what um, help the brain detect in relationship, like, um, seeing that someone else is hurting. And so you identify with that, that experience. Um, well, and you know, it's also like, if I, I'm, if I'm correct, it's also kind of, I mean, mirror neurons are very, very active in, in newborns because they're learning how to be part of a family. And that's, you, you know, like the interpreting, like the signals and the movements and the tones that are normal in your, you know, family unit or, um, larger family unit or whatever like that's how we form community mm. would that be fair to say like okay yeah and so um it is actually you know that because there's a lot more activity in that area of the brain with a sensitive person you know the that's where that deeper empathy um starts to happen so the implication of just really being sensitive to other people's feelings and, um, you know, the shift in their energy, um, you know, there, there's also a new area of study that we're, we're learning called, we're studying this area of the brain called the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. And that is associated with emotions, values, and um, processing sensory information. Mm -hmm. And so all of this other extra activity, you know, in the brain necessarily limited to other people, it's, um, you know, largely the environment too. And so that kind of brings into discussion the um, subject of earth empaths. So that would be the group of people that are particularly sensitive to, um, you know, the earth and all of the earthly shifts, like the tides or, um, you know, the amount of light in the day. So, you know, people that would be more affected by seasonal affective disorder. Something that I definitely struggle with, you know, in being able to live up in Alaska. I mean, I was born and raised mm -hmm. there, but there's no getting used to that if you are wired in such a way that you literally fall into depression. You'd fall into a physical um, uh, deficit of vitamin D and become depressed, you know, based on the amount of light that your brain is receiving. So that's it's it's interesting bring into, I think, bring into perspective some of the biological implications that this, if you're wired this way, it's not a choice as to whether or not you want to go outside and look at the moon and be excited about it. It might be a cloudy day. You may have forgotten that the moon is going to be full, but you, if you're wired this way, you will be feeling. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and resonate with the concept of highly sensitive people, you may appreciate the growing collection of products over at inspiredbythewild.life. That's because one quality that's common amongst the highly sensitive is their compassion and concern for the world. 
We love seeing that energy put into the products that we endorse and the small businesses that we partner with. For more information, look at www.inspiredbythewild.life. And mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things that, you know, I, I have to remember that not everybody has that same experience, <laughs> you know, like for mm -hmm. I just know that when the full moon is coming, like to it and probably afterwards, I'm just, I'm going to be straight asleep. That's just one of the, yeah. one of the, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you can identify with that and, and it's, um, it's not a choice. Um, so it's something that, you know, to go back to being a big uh, motivating force in creating Inspired by the Wild, you know, because this is my experience of, of you know, going back to just being able to be out on the beach and um, basking in that lunar energy. I felt pretty certain that that would have, that would bring some sort of energy to me. I didn't even know what it might bring. I felt pretty confident that it would bring some, that being largely because of this earth empath experience, which I will probably <laughs> elaborate on some more of the stories, um, you know, in future episodes. Um, yeah. Without taking up too much more time, I, you know, I wanted to go back to when Shanna, you know, identified that that has been a big part of, you know, my move out to Hawaii from Alaska. I mean, if there was any more opposite, you know, to move from, uh, it's, it's been a huge transition, but as an earth empath, it's, it affects everything for me. So it's, it's an exciting thing to consider that, you know, in the beginning of Inspired by the Wild and, you know, part of this whole journey as Shanna and I have been, we pretty much started this podcast just about the time when I was moving over here. And so some of the podcast and really inspired by the wild, the whole entire, you know, project has been shaped by just being in a different place and having that perspective. So anyway, <laughs> that's kind of opens, I think the door, the portal for a lot of other different conversations for us to elaborate on, you know, in future episodes, yeah. but I feel like a really critical time to into this longer discussion um you know with this inspired by the wild podcast yeah yeah well thank you for that i mean i think um you know that's certainly i've certainly heard the term highly sensitive person and it feels like it's been kind of out there in the collective for a number of years at this point but i honestly have never heard it explained quite so thoroughly so thank you um <laughs> And yeah, I think I, you know, something occurred to me while I was listening and while you were talking about this, especially with the like one in five folks being identified as highly sensitive and this idea that, you know, like you're born this way. It's not that you become sensitized, but I do think there's a level of sensitization that can happen just environmentally. And I, I wonder too, because I think some of the theories are that it's kind of like a and this might be too out there. So again, as with anything we say on the podcast, if this isn't information for you, then just, you know, feel free to leave it. But um, <laughs> I think it's an interesting theory that it's like an evolutionary change, you know, we're like, now it's one in five, but give it, you know, 100 years if we're still here, if we haven't totally fucked our environment. Um, <laughs> and it'll be like, you know, three out of every five people, right? Um, 
which I think is, you know, kind of interesting to think about. And also like we are potentially living, you know, those of us who are not like wouldn't weren't born um, highly with high sensitivity, but um, you know, maybe we are slowly kind of like through vibration and energy and everything else. Like we're slowly becoming attuned to more of that as like more and more people enter the collective who are highly sensitive. If that makes sense, but maybe that's a little too Jupiter and Pisces, but (laughs) no, no, I like, you know, because it is something that we're still learning a lot about. There's, I mean, that's, that's something I hadn't really considered, but I love it. Like that's a whole other thing to explore. And, um, you know, in this uh, discussion of highly sensitive, I mean, it's certainly products that, you know, we want, bring to you with this company and a lot of the projects we want to um, create, they are going to be, you know, geared towards being able to appreciate those kind of subtleties in the world. And it's not necessarily, I think, uh, that you have to be born this to appreciate some of the nuances and the energetic, um, you know, work that we're putting into this. But mm-hmm. um, I think if you have been born sensitive and or any kind of sensitivity that is not been recognized or been able to be nurtured into a strength, then, um, you know, this is, there's a lot for you in this, in this conversation too. And um, so there's, there's other, of course, um, things to circle back to again in, uh, in this discussion about some of the things that are important to the highly sensitive person. Um, in, you know, the life that they want to live. And one of the things that comes up, um, you know, in empirical research and just discussions as, you know, Elaine Aaron credits with her discussions, um, through her discussions with highly sensitive people is that, you know, they care a lot about what they're doing for the world. They care a lot mm-hmm. about contributing to the health of the world um, mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. Um, and so, uh, again, that is one that I want to table for now, but is a really, really <laughs> lovely subject um, I think we could get into in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I, you know, it's nice, too, to um, have that other piece of kind of background and then just sets the stage and kind of provides some context for Inspired by the Wild. So I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was definitely a power pack. I know. You know, I had this, um, you know, feel free to tell me if you don't think this is a great idea, but I'm wondering if you would, you know, how do you feel about like pulling a card to kind of round all of this out for folks? Ooh, I love it. Yes. Excellent. Um, I have this, I have several tarot decks as somebody, you know, who likes to read tarot cards, (laughs) but (laughs) this one that um, I pulled out for the eclipse yesterday actually and did like a you know little eclipse check-in is the modern witch tarot, which is like a, which is basically the Rider Waite Coleman, but um, it's, but it's got all, you know, it's, yeah, it's got all kinds of folks and definitely doing more witchy things. It's more modern, like, you know, different cards have computers or cell phones in them, like the, you know, um, I think it's the seven of swords. Like it just says everything is fine. And it's a person lying on the side being pierced by swords, looking at her phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love it. So I'm going to use that, that deck. Cause I love it. Um, all right. So 
whenever and wherever you are when you're hearing this, just kind of listen to the cards being shuffled and kind of tune in and think about any area of your life where you feel like you're needing a little bit of guidance and know that whatever comes is going to be for you. Maybe they come through me, not by me. And we've got, speaking of swords, it's the Knight of Swords. (laughs) All right. So we've got a person charging forward on a white steed, sword up. This is definitely, all of the knights are are movement, are air cards, but this is like air, air. (laughs) So it's a lot of movement. Um, Mm. It feels very much too like, Oh, that that just applies with, you know, all of the airy Gemini energy that's, you know, happening. And then even like winds of change, right? Like I mentioned earlier. So yeah. it's like a good card for that. I, I always think it's like they're all kind of action, take action cards, honestly. But this really, because swords are the, you know, the air element, the element, um, the cards are a suit of like the mind and stories we tell ourselves and others. This definitely feels like, movement toward making sure that you know those are those are true stories and that you pick the one that you're going with and like charge full steam ahead (laughs) yeah yeah do you i mean i obviously you read tarot too what else do you think of when you know the when you see the knight of swords um no actually you know i i think that that was really uh it, it just hit it on the head and and i was thinking about um when you were talking about like the the winds of change and, um, you know, paying attention to that uh, eclipse calendar, um, it, mm-hmm. it got me thinking about just this place um, here on Oahu, and I'm up on the North Shore, and it's a really big place for surfing, but of course, that's very mm-hmm. dependent on wind, and mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that the seasons around here is um, the windy season or when it's calm, and so we're just at a place, they tell me that in the summer, the winds die down and um you know that's kind of where it gets really hot and that's you know a lot of the surfers they leave for the summer because it's just not as much with the surf um you know my experience of being you know for us um me wanting to be able to record at the beach and um have some of that waves in the background it's always been so windy that we haven't been able to do that yet so yeah it's um one of the the kind of energetic pieces that I'm still listening to as you know, came here and ask just what is the story of this place? You know, what is the energy mm-hmm. of this? Place? So that's kind of where my mind was drifting to. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's definitely appropriate of like when you, you know, brought Gemini season. In, the thing that, you know, thinking about what it's like to have the sun in Gemini, you know, the sun being in each sign for roughly a month and, mm-hmm. The Gemini season usually means that a lot of the communications are picking up. I'm from a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of texts. I'm getting a lot of conversations. I'm juggling mm-hmm. a lot of conversations. And I, I just, I notice that I'm, um, any Gemini in my chart, it's kind of not my mm-hmm. Something that's really, no, not that wind kind of comes in. It's like a lot of around and blowing and, um, Wind is just also something that I 
I remember doing these events, set up a pop-up tent and be selling my jewelry at a festival for, you know, days at a time. The wind was the one that would really start to get me because you wouldn't think it, but after a couple of days of just the wind whipping everything around and, you know, sometimes whipping my jewelry off and I have to chase it, like whipping uh, one of the curtains against my face, whipping my hair into my <laughs> eyes. I remember yeah. having like epiphany of like, this is what it's like to die of exposure. <laughs> like right. it's really too much of this uh, energy. And yeah. um, it's yeah. something that I've just have felt really sensitive to here because in trying to go out and just like lay in the sand, there's so much wind going. They are being sandblasted, literally like sand and it's painful. And yeah. Um, yeah. it's just kind of one of those energies that I'm, um, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and I, so here's, um, here's the thing too, that I, you know, wanted to say, like, even if you don't have planets in Gemini, um, it generally will rule or be in a in a house um, on your chart, and so I can tell you what house that is if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like. sure. Um, so that is the eighth house, which traditionally is ruled by Scorpio, but that house of sex, death, and transformation, basically. So that's. Uh, I just thought that was. I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> well, and. Um, that shit. I'm gonna have to take some time to unpack that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, later in private. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, totally. But just, you know, like for anyone, even if you don't have, you know, you know your chart, but even if you don't have um, planets that are in, you know, in a house ruled by Gemini or in Gemini, um, you still it still rules a house usually right and then um then when there are transits happening in that house or in gemini they're happening in that house for you so you might feel feel that a little bit even if it's not you know one of your main curricula in this life you know mm-hmm. so yeah i just um so that's important but random detail and <laughs> i can i'll talk more about that on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and you know, <laughs> hence one of the valuable things this podcast together. I just am always learning from you, and I, I really enjoy our conversation. Same, friend. Same. Well, well thanks for listening, and um, we're glad to have you on our Inspired by the Wild podcast. Yeah, I hope I hope you are inspired more and more every day, and take some time to get out there and let that wild freak flag fly. (laughs) And until next time, stay wild. Stay wild.